Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast with Dr. Stylianos Kabakis. Dr. Kabakis is a data scientist, statistician, and blockchain expert with a mission to educate the public about the wonderful capabilities of technologies like AI, data science, and DLTs. These technologies have the potential to transform the world, the economy, and our lives. However, there is too much misinformation around tech, and so most people are just confused about what is true and what is not. Whether you are a CEO, an entrepreneur, or just an enthusiast, the Data Scientist Podcast helps you separate reality from hype. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast. We have Luca Bazuro here with us today. He's a blockchain expert and tokenomics consultant. And we're going to have a very interesting discussion about the Web3, tokenomics, DAOs, and what does the future of blockchain look like? Welcome to the podcast, Luca. Hi, Stadius. Thanks for having me. Nice uh, would you like to say a few words about your background and your work? I know you're originally an economist and now a tokenomist. So yeah, feel free to introduce yourself. Sure, sure. Thank you. So yeah, my background is finance, economics. Then I specifically specialized in monetary economics. And since 2017, I started being involved with the blockchain. Around five years ago, I started to be an autonomous worker in terms of consulting blockchain projects, specifically about strategy, about economics, token design, game theory, and all this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see. So in terms of tokenomics, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite subjects as well. I've been doing lots of work in tokenomics and different, uh, let's say, individuals, different people, different projects, they have different view of what tokenomics is. So quite often tokenomics is considered synonymous with token allocations and, uh, and such. But what's like your view on that? What's your definition of tokenomics? Yeah, I agree. This is a bit of a problem to reach an agreement on terminology. I usually depict myself as a token designer and not a tokenomist specifically for this, because usually tokenomics is considered just a token allocation scheme and the, token and the distribution. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the job of a token designer or however you want to call it, it's way broader in scope because it encompasses game theory, the, the definition of incentives, stakeholders, also governance, a lot of market research, uh, contract theory, token flow. It's really, really broad. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And as you know, one of my favorite tools is agent-based modeling. And that being said, I want to hear your opinions on what are like your favorite tools. I know you have a background in economics, so I presume you must be using some tools borrowed from economics for token analysis. Yeah, so I try to, depending on the stage, where the client company is, I use more or less statistical analysis. I like CAD-CAD to develop some simulations. In general, I try to restrain a little bit in the beginning to use too many mathematical simulations, let's say, because I feel like the data set is very incomplete. Whereas going farther down the road, so if a company has already customers or token holders, revenues, depending, it makes much more sense to use this kind of more specific tools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're a big fan of simulations as well, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. I just feel like uh, I'm always a bit self-aware on the data that I've been fed when I have to do the simulation, you know. I feel like even in other fields of science, it's really complicated to have a reliable, consistent set of data upon which to build good statistical analysis, clearly. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And in terms of tokenomics now versus tokenomics a few years ago, like in terms of the models being used, the tools, the methods, what do you see as the main differences? Well, definitely it's linked to what we just discussed because 
in the beginning, first of all, there was no awareness of the need of this role. And there was also very few examples that you can draw upon. I feel like one of the main differences is that. So you can see a few years of other designs, how did they fare, how much did people like them. You can use them to build a more reliable data set. So it's getting to be an easier job every day, let's say. Okay, easier is one, but what do you think about it being more interesting? As in, because I think we also saw many tokenomics models, especially in DeFi and also now NFTs and Metaverse, which didn't exist a few years back. Which brings me also to my next question, which is, what do you think the future will look like? Because I'm personally, I'm very fascinated by let's say token engineering as in like financial engineering like when in in mainstream finance you can create like new types of financial products i'm really fascinated by what we see in this space like blockchain facilitating the uh, matching demand and supply and unlocking latent demand in all kinds of interesting spaces where it's borrowing and lending fractionalized art you name it what do you feel is going to be the next thing in this area so yeah i agree it's very interesting in the near future all you have described. I feel like I don't want to get too far down the road. So I feel like right now, in the near future, real world asset tokenization is going to be the big thing because it's easier to design on the blockchain, something like that. It's easier for people to understand the value of something that is just a digital version of a real world asset. And from there, we can go on in more abstract kind of financial products. I will say sometimes I feel like in the last years of DeFi, we tried to do too much too fast. And even if there were incredible developments, a lot of things were maybe in the right place, but not the right time, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 that's true. Timing is very important. But I feel that I'm not sure if you share the same feeling that in some ways, the whole space of blockchain and Web3, it's lagging behind mainstream finance. I feel sometimes they're discovering things which already exist in mainstream finance, but Hopefully some of these things end up being better. Like for example, we have now decentralized exchanges. Many people are talking about perpetuals and all that. I don't know if you have any exposure to that space. It's not something I've particularly looked into too much, but if you have, I would be curious to hear your opinion. Yeah, it's not my main area of expertise. I feel like, again, sometimes, I mean, it's dubbed as financial innovation. Sometimes I feel like it's more like translating Wall Street kind of finance into a digital world, which can be still an improvement. At the same time, I feel like it's very similar sometimes to what's already there. But again, I'm not a super expert. So I feel again, in general, let's say that building derivatives, building perpetuals, building options, on top of blockchain products. It's kind of tricky right now because of the timing we discussed before, because you need a very mature financial market to have a very good derivative market. So it would be one thing to build derivative real world assets on the blockchain. That I can see the scope, it's better, it's more transparent, it's probably cheaper and easier. To build it on something that has smaller market cap, higher volatility, bigger slippage spread, you know, it's kind of more complicated, I feel. Yeah, it does. I mean, obviously, like just copying something over to blockchain as opposed to creating something which is fundamentally new and better, it's more difficult, right? Of course, of course. And again, maybe some of the instruments that work for Wall Street now, let's say work, quote unquote, they cannot be just translated into the blockchain so far because of the lack of maturity. Yeah. And what do you think would help with this kind of maturity? I mean, talking about maturity, we saw all kinds of crazy things in the last 12 months, like Terra Luna, all kinds of stuff. Also, what else was it? FTX. And now recently we had... Uh, Three Arrows Capital. Yeah, exactly. Signature. Exactly. Yeah. I've lost count, right? Honestly, I've <laughs> lost count. So what do you think is going to help bring this maturity? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, on Terra, this is exactly what I was talking about. Trying to build an algorithmic stablecoin. I'm not sure it will ever work, honestly, but I'm pretty sure it was not meant to work in 2022 because you can't just build something of this level of complexity, in a way, expecting this to work in a non-mature market. So maybe next step would be better awareness, better understanding of what we're trying to build here. It's also very complicated, honestly, because blockchain space, you know it better than I do, moves so fast, it's really complicated to keep the pace. So let alone letting people from Web2, let's say, get in yeah. and have a pretty clear understanding of what we're trying to build. Yeah, that is correct. And what about NFTs? Like this was the craziest thing, right? So as in, we had obviously NFTs spiking in value, but I do think there is some real value in NFTs. But I'm curious to see where this is going to go, right? So whether we're going to see another bull run in NFTs similar to the previous one or something new and hopefully a bit more mature. What's your take on that? It's funny because around 2018, 2019, I was crazy about NFTs and the concept, you know, non-fungibility. Clearly for an economist, it's very interesting and it's very clear. And everybody was like, man, what are you talking about? This is, DeFi is here, that this is what matters. And I was like, no, trust me, NFTs are cool. And at the same time, I did not see coming at all the, the NFT art as the main driver. I thought it was, again, real world assets translated into NFTs and then be used to fractionalize them, for instance, for, uh, I don't know, let's say real estate on top of my mind, contracts on NFTs, voting, many, many different things. So I think that the value of NFTs is absolutely clear and pristine. At the same time, I don't want to delve too much into crypto art because I'm not a super expert. So it's funny, this blockchain world always surprises you. So I think NFTs, of course, are going to stay. I thought, again, it's a huge leap to, to have digital art. I thought it was easier, but maybe it's just me to go in a different direction first. So now I think like we will go a little bit back into NFT representing something more tangible. Yeah. And it's easier also to get people in that are not so down the rabbit hole as some of us are. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Like the thing with NFTs is that I think many NFT projects were struggling to find good cases for utility. And um, well, that's probably something else that many of them, they do what they call artificial utility as in, you know, I don't really have a utility, so I'll come up with some random ideas. I think the Board Ape Yacht Club was a prime example of this. So it was also something else which was very hot and maybe you hear less about this now is DAOs. What's your take on DAOs? I don't have any direct experience with that. I think it's a very cool concept and I have some friends and colleagues that work in that. I feel like problem, let's say with it, is that last year, especially, I've heard anything being called DAO. So sometimes that is not a clear understanding, at least from my own perspective of what the DAO exactly is. And it's complicated to make it work when there is so much noise about what uh, become a buzzword. And I've seen a lot of people taking advantage of the DAO idea to do something that is not ethically consistent with what a DAO really is. But all in all, I think it's very interesting, especially the, the idea of autonomous organization, something that we also saw in the past, not sure. in the digital world, maybe. It's very, very cool. And I would like to be more involved in it. And in terms of, let's say, DAOs in the real world, I know we had the discuss about this in the past. What's your take on that? I think you mentioned something about some communities that actually managed to run like a DAO in the real world. So I think that's very interesting and encouraging because if the real world is more difficult than the digital world, so probably this means that maybe DAOs, like proper decentralization, is feasible on the digital level as well. Yeah, and in the best, of course, the technology was not 
as developed as now, so there were less means. Yeah, I years and years ago, around I think 2019 bear market, I got very interested in the concept of kibbutz in Israel. Of course, there were no DAOs back then, at least not that I was aware of. I mean, there was the DAO, but we all know how it went, so it was not a very hot topic back in 2019. But I feel like, for instance, the kibbutz is a very good real-world example of an autonomous organization. Of course, the numbers are smaller, but it was very fascinating to see how this community can organize and work on a very decentralized level, maybe not in terms of geography, because of course they're all in the same place, but definitely it's decentralized governance, because uh-huh. as far as I know, in a kibbutz has the same decisional power as anybody else. So it's really interesting to see sometimes that we have real world examples of autonomous organization that we might use, and we should, I believe, use to draw newer models with the new technology we have now. Yeah, and I think the main challenge for DAOs is participation. I think I read somewhere the statistic that, I don't know, like a small percentage, I think maybe the exact percentage, actually participates in DAOs, in active DAO like participation. So that's definitely something else to keep in mind. I think uh, the DAOs which will be the most successful are the ones which make proper use of decentralization, while at the same time they enable participation, they encourage participation. No, yeah, I totally agree. And I would say that participation is one of the biggest problems in blockchain overall, because even if you think about tokens, a lot of utility tokens that are supposed to be used, as the words say, to do any kind of exchange of goods and services or buying something, they are mostly traded. So they are not really, or just held. And this is the same for DAOs. Yes, yeah, so a lot of people are enthusiasts in the beginning and I feel like maybe it's because there are so many cool things. It's difficult for people to be consistent and to let themselves be educated in using a specific product. And then the participation wanes off after a while. I feel like in this, maybe a more indirect contribution might be cool. So maybe like people can vote for a committee in terms of DAO. I think them already do this and it's interesting to do indirect democracy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, sorry, intermediate a little because we're not, again, I'm sure in the future it's amazing to have an autonomous organization where everybody participate and everybody vote and there is no, no one to be the president, you know, but it's yeah. hard to get there especially conceptually for people. So maybe it's good to have middle steps that slowly goes into decentralization and this cool concept that we are trying to achieve in blockchain. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think the vision is definitely there. And probably like some of the things we're witnessing now, like the Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse, you know, they're probably facilitating a move towards crypto. Do you believe that's the case? It's hard to say when something like this happens, it's really a bit complicated, but I feel like the big drawdown on, uh, if this is the word I'm looking for, on crypto from the US regulation shows sort of a fear of changing the status quo, which is already in itself recognition uh, that blockchain companies are a suitable competitor to many of these financial services. And of course, banks struggling has a lot of bad, I mean, in any financial crisis, there are a lot of bad news. Sometimes it's also scope for innovation. So yeah, technically, yes. It's hard to say right now if it's going to be good, beneficial for the blockchain. Yeah, I think it will be, but you're right in being a bit defensive about it. You know, you're kind of 100% around these things and what the Fed will do and this and that. But I think one thing that is perfectly clear, let me know what your opinion on that is, that the crypto is here to stay. Like all the people that told us, oh, you know, mainstream finance, you can trust Bitcoin, etc. 
it doesn't look like that big banks, Credit Suisse or SBB are in a better shape, right? No, absolutely not. I mean, this is a long topic, but definitely banks right now are by the day more and more under the control of the central banks. This is not good for the financial world at all, in my opinion. I would say that the main boon for crypto is the inability of central banks right now to keep the economic in check, quote unquote. Uh, therefore, the constant failure in addressing the economical and financial problems of the world is in itself a clear showing that there is a scope for crypto in that specific regard. But regardless, I think there are so many cool things that blockchain can do that no matter what, even if you consider just another area, you will see that the blockchain technology has to become the new normal in a way, the new standard for any innovative companies and for the future of countries and economies in the world. I think it is becoming some kind of de facto standard in certain ways. Yeah, exactly. I feel like in general, to go back to what you said before, education is the prime focus that we should be having. Because again, as you mentioned, you know, is this bank failure going to be good or bad? I would say definitely good if provided that people have a clear understanding of what blockchain does. And I feel like, of course, mass media are not really telling the whole story, but just focusing on the parts that can sell more copies. So FTX failures or Bitcoin price, but you know better than I, that is so much more about blockchain. So I feel like as long as we can achieve good education and awareness on people, definitely everything is going to be accelerated and it's for the best. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. That's why uh, I also like doing things like this podcast, right? It really does help educate people more and more. But anyway, yeah, I think that was a great discussion. And uh, before we go, would you like maybe to share a few things with our audience? Like where can they learn more about you? LinkedIn, personal website? Yeah, I'm not super active right now, but I have my LinkedIn page on Luca Bazzurro. And so far I'm rebuilding uh, all my other profiles. So that's the only thing I have so far, I'm afraid. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Well, thank you, Luca. That was a very interesting chat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks everyone for being here with us. Make sure to check the datascientist.com for more content on data science, AI, and blockchain. Thank you and see you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit the datascientist.com for more content about data science, AI, and blockchain.